The Law is a White Dog is a podcast series developed for Tulka Festival of Visual Arts 2020. Made during a global pandemic, the series places artists and artworks in dialogue with lawyers, advocates and activists. As a festival of visual art produced in a time of confinement and restriction for many, the podcast series explores unseen dimensions of the artist's work. This episode of The Law is a White Dog focuses on Asylum Archive, a multidisciplinary project initiated by Vukashin Nedelkovich. Asylum Archive is based in Ireland and is an interactive documentary online resource that involves contributions from asylum seekers, artists, academics, civil society activists and immigration lawyers. The Asylum Archive was initiated in 2007 when Nedelkovich was living in a direct provision centre awaiting the results of his asylum application. These centres are not housed in purpose-built architecture. More commonly, they are located in former religious institutions or in private hotels and B&Bs across the country. The vast majority of centres are managed on a for-profit basis by private contractors. The average length of time people spend in direct provision is two years, although some people have stayed more than a decade. Such delays have been criticised by the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission as systemic and pernicious. The Asylum Archive project primarily involves a large collection of documentary photography of direct provision and emergency accommodation centres, and it also includes recorded audio interviews. In this episode, we hear from survivors of the direct provision system. First, Fukushin describes how and why the Asylum Archive project was initiated. I came to this uh, island in 2006 seeking protection and uh, most of my time, which was three years, I was living in a small rural town in Balihornis, uh, one street town. But then in that town, on the top of the hill, was the old convent where the nuns used to live. And in that old convent, on the top of the hill, was the Red Provision Center, where almost 300 people have lived for many, many years. Almost no one or very few people from Balihonis town, which is literally seven minutes walk down the hill and you turn left, did they know that we lived there? They didn't. We were there behind the trees and the bushes and the gates, and we lived our lives. But many people, most of the people, locals, they didn't know that we were living there and they didn't know what direct provision is, and they didn't know how much we had to suffer, how much we had to go through, or what we had to go through to be able eventually, if we are lucky and fortunate, to be recognized by the state of Ireland that our lives may be in danger, 
or that we may be prosecuted if we ever return back to our original homes or countries of origin. Most of these centers are located uh, outside of the cities at the periphery of the society. And that decision by the government of Ireland at the time to reduce and prevent possible integration or even communication between people seeking asylum and the local community. So we have them there in a totally ghettoized environment. That was a big shock to me at the time. And uh, 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 the first day or the first week or the first month is the toughest one. And then once when you get over that, it gets easier. The, the circumstances are the same, but you just learn how to cope. You learn how to accept what your present reality is. So I was on the second floor in um, the old common uh, in the room 24, where at some point I realized that I have um, not only brought my small Olympus uh, 5 megapixel camera, but that I ha have had uh, education or my BA in photography from Belgrade University of Arts. And then as the days were passing by and um, as uh, we were kind of living in this kind of uh, eternal limbo, endless limbo, totally racialized by the state of Ireland, um, I kind of decided that uh, it may be a good idea as a coping mechanism mainly at the time to start to document uh, what is in my room, what is in my corridor, what is outside of the building, what is it there, really? And I did that. And at that moment, when I actually took that camera that my dad made sure that I have in the bag, saying, you don't ever know how it may be helpful or useful to you, my son, I did start taking the photographs and uh, it was nothing else but click and a click and a click and a click. And that's how the photographs were recorded on Olympus camera. And um, I didn't know uh, that at the time, I was doing something uh, that will, after completing my um, master's in visual arts uh, practice in um, Dan Leary Institute of Art and Technology, will become Asylum Archive. Lucky Kambule is a co-founder of the Movement of Asylum Seekers in Ireland, MASI, which calls for the end of direct provision and advocates for freedom, justice and dignity for asylum seekers and more rights, such as the right to work. Lucky was involved in organising a strike of residents of a direct provision centre outside Cork in 2014, protesting the restrictive rules that were enforced around eating times and access to supplies such as toiletries. The strikers took over the centre, locking the staff out for 10 days. 
the strike was suspended when some of the residents' demands were met. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Kambule highlighted the issue of children in direct provision having less access to educational resources and that they were suffering more restrictive measures than their peers. He was also one of those speaking out about the issues regarding social distancing and self-isolating for those living in direct provision during the pandemic and the high level of infection cases among residents. The interview extract we were about to hear was recorded as part of the Asylum Archive project. For records, my name is Lucky Kambule. I've been living in direct provision from January of 2013. Uh, Obviously, following the same process everybody follows, from uh, Parsaskin where people are uh, processed, and then I was then moved to Cork City, uh, just outside the city, at the centre called Kinsale Road Accommodation Centre. Before I, I I just go to the to the protests, I just want to also mention the rationale or the reasons what made us to take that action. Uh, which was uh, the, treat- the kind of treatment that we received it in that center and many other centers, specifically in the Cork Center, which we received for 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 a couple of years, all right, and uh, we felt as uh, human beings or as asylum seekers that we were not taken seriously. We were treated as less human beings we whatever that we we used to in a, in reasonable requests that we would would uh, request from management and staff we could not get that because everything is given according to times toiletries whatever that is supplied to you soap is given on 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 toilet papers on at certain times in the month, once a month, and sometimes you're given two bars of soap, and that's supposed to last you for four weeks, right? We live on 19 euro. When that is finished, you, if you go and request that uh, at the office, because it's outside the times that they have allocated, you're not given that. Instead, you get a shouting. The the one f- phrase that was right right there to us was, "I don't care," especially from the manager. "I don't care. Go back to where you come from. You know, you will never get these these things in 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 uh, in Africa." That's what they thought of us. And uh, the mistreatment, especially to the ladies as well. I remember one case when a pregnant lady that was really shouted by the manager just for requesting an additional uh, bowl of uh, cereal. So those are the things that kept building up and building up to the residents. But one day we we just decided as a a couple of uh, few of us that it's something that we cannot tolerate. It is important that we we, we get together and, and, and talk about these things and see what we can do. If you are an asylum seeker, you are you are automatically a member of Masi. 
That's why it's called the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland. If you are an asylum seeker, you belong there. It's your home. It's a platform for us to be able to say things that are happening to us without other people representing us. That's what we wanted people to understand about us. We wanted to start talking on our behalf because we have been shut down for many, many, many years, people representing us uh, and, and misrepresenting us in, in, in many cases and, uh, and miss the point in the, in the process. Through Mercy, we have been able, people have been able to come out and say, I gave birth on a such and such a time and I was not even given transport to move from the, hosp- from the hospital to the center. I had to walk carrying a baby to the center. In some, those are the things that you don't hear them. But if a person comes and tells us all those, those, those issues, it's a voice. As a person, as once you say something, something happens to you psychologically. In many, many cases whereby through mercy, it was, we, we managed to solve them because I remember there was a lady who was deprived of uh, access to, to the dining, for instance, last year, just because he wanted an extra uh, something to eat breastfeeding, but she vented her anger on our group and uh, her problem was solved. Asylum seekers suffer from deportations. People that claim to support asylum seekers are not there when people have problems with deportations. They are not there when people are signing for these deportations. Support must be in solidarity in a big way. That's why I always say that Help is it's not it's not the help that we need. It's solidarity. Is when the struggles are, are intertwined in that, you know, when that is solidarity. If you don't feel my pain, it's not possible that you'll be able to to be stand with me in solidarity, whether it's raining or it's not raining. So, but mercy. As we as we carry on now, we st- we're going strong. We're going to 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 send us doing the work that is supposed to be done by professionals, by by uh, employed people uh, who go and inform people on the policies that have changed, which they are not doing. Marcy is doing that to make sure that it reaches out, it reaches out to its members, and tell the members what is going on. For the Law is a White Dog, Asylum Archive is presented outdoors as a billboard installation for the first time, located in the residential area of the Clada in Galway. Instead of a commercial text, the billboard incorporates a poem by Feli Speaks, a Nigerian-Irish poet, performer and playwright from County Longford. Her work moves between poetry and music, and she explores issues of feminism, social justice and coming-of-age experiences. The billboard also features a large-scale photograph by Vukashin Nadelkovic from the exterior of the Great Western Hotel, Galway. The photograph was taken when the building was used as a direct provision centre. The image shows a threadbare football, in medium close-up, seemingly abandoned in a weeded area. I still struggle 
put my name forward or the although I am the person who have taken over the last 14 years 6,000 plus photographs, many, many, many found objects and recorded many, many, many audio interviews without forgetting one thing that uh, the collaborative aspect of the asylum archive uh, where I do invite and I did invite people who have experienced direct provision to share their materials and stating that this is not my archive and in never will be my archive this is our archive this is the archive of the survivors of direct provision the survivors of the most appalling dehumanizing racist system that still exists in ireland in 2020 and it doesn't get any better from 2007 when i was there it actually gets worse and if you ask me is this art i will say maybe it is not art is this activism yes it is activism is it artivism no i don't think it's artivism i don't like that word what it is really is an artifact it's a document that the collaboration or the collaborative aspect of asylum archive is crucial it's a living archive it's an open-end archive that let other people let everybody who have experienced this brutal unforgiving system take part let us do it together and the most important thing is that this is our archive they do not own the archive in this I would like to say the most brilliant and beautiful collaboration between um, Felix Speaks, um, who is a poet, uh, and um, Asylum Archive, one of my photographs from Great Western House Direct Provision Center in Galway. It's there in Clada, standing still, and it's a testament of what a collaboration can do and what it can mean in terms of really one sentence what is the aim and the imperative of my work asylum archive for the last 14 years and that is to abolish direct provision and stop all deportations for the friendships that have choked on cordless calls and direct provision for the pot too small to fit all of home into, and direct provision, for the minds too fragmented to imagine safety, and direct provision, for the blanket of bruises, loneliness, leaves, and direct provision. The Low is a White Dog podcast series was commissioned by Tolka Festival of Visual Arts Curated in 2020 by Sarah Brown. Produced by Orla Higgins and Sarah Brown. Interview with Vukashin Nedelkovic recorded for GMIT Centre for Creative Arts and Media. Introductions narrated by Orla Higgins. Edited by Alan Meany. Additional editing by Sarah Brown. Music by Rory Pilgrim. Listeners can find further information at asylumarchive.com and massey.ie.